Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. So it's been a few weeks since I actually sat down to record uh, the the last, the three previous episodes. They were all pre-recorded. And sometimes I get really, um, I guess passionate and there's times where I can sit down and record an episode and then afterwards jump on another episode. Well, I've been three weeks in the hole, man. I haven't been able to think of anything and I've been in kind of a, kind of a different place and I haven't, I haven't felt motivated and all that. Uh, and I haven't worked out, haven't slept. Um, just the, the energy wasn't there. The motivation wasn't there to do a lot of stuff. And we all know what that is. That's depression at its finest. That's uh, when when depression creeps in to your life, it sucks every bit of joy out of you. And it is up to you and only you to figure out how you're going to kick its fucking ass. And that that fight has been going on with me for about three weeks. And I feel like I'm, I'm back home now. I'm sitting down and I finally feel like, all right, I'm, I'm back on top. It's a never-ending uh, battle. It's like a jiu-jitsu grappling battle with depression. When you Sometimes you're on top, choking the fuck out of it, and sometimes you're on the bottom in an arm bar, or you're on the bottom just getting choked out by it. But the difference is about being, I guess, uh, about overcoming it, is refusing to give up, refusing to tap out. When your arm is literally about to snap off in, in a jiu-jitsu hold, and you just find a few more seconds to stay in the fight. And that's what this is. And I'm so experienced with this this thing. I know when it gets bad, it's going to get better. I just got to hang in there. And that's all it is. And it always, always, always gets better. Every single time, it gets better. The only determining factor is you don't know when it's going to get better. But you have an obligation to not just yourself, an obligation to the people who depend on you to stay in the fight. You have to keep going. You cannot tap out. You have to develop that mindset. All right, hey, look, this is going to suck. It's going to suck for days on end sometimes. Sometimes, like my case, this has been a three-week just piece of shit for me. And you're never going to see that on Facebook. You're never going to see it on Instagram because I don't do that. Um, I've had some people messaging, Travis, why haven't you been on live lately? Well, if you don't see or hear from Travis for a while, there's a fucking reason for it. And there, and it's because I got to unplug 
from all of the shit, all of the toxic stuff that goes on that, that does not help me be a uh, healthy minded individual because this stuff is hard enough to fight and to grapple with on, on, on my own without any assistance from the fucked up world around us. And so that's why I unplug and do, and kind of get uh, quiet f- from time to time. I was sitting down today. I'm amped up, boy. I'm really amped up today. I heard something the other day from somebody. They said, sometimes the best advice that I've ever gotten was from people that are really fucked up. <laughs> and it rings true because I... I can give out great advice sometimes and it's hard, but I actually do try to practice what I preach, right? Like I try to, I was like, all right, you guys need to get outside of your comfort zone. You need to go do something fun. You deserve it. And I try to do those things, but I also feel myself getting roped back in and sucked back into that, that rabbit hole. Um, sometimes where life isn't so fun, life isn't so exciting, but the difference is I realize it. And when it's going on, I know it's up to nobody but myself to get out of it. And I want to get, I want to tell you about a conversation I had with somebody recently. Um, I had a phone conversation with somebody recently who was struggling really, really badly. And I mean, fucking horribly. And what I did is I lent an ear. I didn't really try to give advice because when people are so desperate that they want to tell you all the horrible shit that's going on in their life, they don't. They say they want to know how to make it better. A lot of times they don't. They just need to vent. And I was just pretty much a sounding board. But when this person was uh, venting to me, all I heard was excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And I heard pity party, pity party. I heard poor, poor me, poor, poor me. And I heard taking no ownership, taking zero acceptance of the situation. Um, taking zero responsibility of where this person's life was at this present day and time. I didn't hear any of that. I heard blame, blame, blame. And when I was listening to it, I knew exactly where this person was. They were in a very depressed state. They were in a horribly dark place that I've been so many times. And I thought about it for a minute. I said, Travis, you know exactly what this person is experiencing. And you know exactly how to get out of it. And the only way to get out of it is to stop being a victim and to actually point your finger inward versus outward. Take some responsibility, own your shit, pull up your pants like a big boy or big girl and say, all right, what the fuck do I need to do to change this situation right now? Because that's the only thing that will happen. And the only way to make it better is to own it and stop waiting for other people people, other, other outside entities to come in and shine this big, bright light to throw you a, a, a rescue rope to pull yourself out of your hole. Cause it's not going to do it. You're in the bottom of that hole with two sticks. I suggest you make a fucking ladder and figure it out. But anyway, person asked me, what do I do? And I said, do you want me to lie to you or do you want the truth? And nobody can ever handle the truth. Everybody says they want the truth, but the honest thing is people need to be lied to. People need to be told what they want to hear because they cannot handle the real truth. When you say, look, motherfucker, you're feeling sorry for yourself. Nobody put you here except you. Your situation is yours. You created it. And even if you didn't, guess what? It's your responsibility to get out of that situation 
create a new situation by any means necessary and change your fucking life. And I didn't speak so harshly, but essentially that was my message (laughs) and they didn't want to hear it. And so I said, well, I'll be honest with you. You don't want to hear the truth. You want me to side with you. You want me to play a violin for you and cry with you and just be like, yeah, you know what? It, the world does suck and everything just sucks and you've just been dealt this shitty hand. Oh my gosh, hopefully one day somebody will come along and make it better. But that's not who I am. I'm not going to do that. The world doesn't suck. The world is a fucking wonderful place full of opportunities and we're actually it's, it, we have so much opportunity that we have the ability to pull ourselves out of whatever shithole that we're in at any given time. We all have our problems. Everybody everybody has problems, man. And I think what happens is we focus so much on our problems versus really seeing the beauty in life that we lose perspective and we lose focus and we only focus on the negative. Um, I have a lot of things to be blessed blessed I, I just, fuck, I'm all fucked up. I'm I want, I'm, I'm trying I wanted to say like 300 things here. I know I'm a blessed person. I have, um, I'm no different than anybody else. I've had hard times. I've had good times, but the problem is when the hard times get hard, it is very hard to see the good times. And I had a, I had a phone call with my therapist uh, last week and I'm going to tell you what she said verbatim. She said, Travis, I'm out of all the years I've been with you and I've talked with you in person. And now we're doing this over the phone thing. Cause she's, um, has the, the whole COVID thing, but she's pregnant and all this stuff. And I was out of town. So we just did it by the phone. She said, out of all the times that I've talked with you, I'm more concerned about you right now, hearing you, hearing the tone in your voice, hearing the lack of motivation coming from your soul than I've ever been. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm just having a shitty fucking couple of weeks. And I go, but I know that that'll change. I know this too shall pass. I know that I can create something. I just got to dig a little deeper. And, and I told her, I said, I have experience with this. I've been in this hole many times and I always come out of this fucking hole. You know why? Because I keep a shovel in my hand and I'm always, um, filling that hole back in. And I keep, I keep a rope in my pocket to help pull myself out of this damn thing. I don't depend on anybody to get me out, but me, I don't depend on the universe to shift gears for Travis Howes and say, okay, well today we're going to make your day a lot better. I know it's a time thing. I just never know how long it's going to last. But I told her straight up. I was like, yeah, I've, I've had a, I've had a rough couple of weeks. I don't know where it came from. I guess one day I just woke up and everything changed. Everything, my, my demeanor has changed. My attitudes changed. I haven't slept much. I haven't had much motivation. I haven't been to the gym lately. I've been in the gym my whole life and I just kind of just stopped going. I've been working on my farm and here's the kicker. Here's the big kicker. My farm brings me so much joy. Well, now it's gotten to the point where the farm's not even bringing the joy to me anymore. It's more of like a, uh, now it's, it's become a job and the fun is gone and it's gotten real. I've been there for a year, just busted my ass. And I think that's what happened It's the new wore off just like in anything, but you got to find ways to keep that spark going. I went on to tell her, I said, you know, I'm actually kind of concerned for myself because at first, coming out here to the farm was refreshing for me. It was a beautiful thing. It still is. Don't get me wrong. But what I've done, and I didn't realize I was doing it, is I was slowly reclusing. And I was 
taking myself out of society. And I had an excuse to do that. Well, I got this farm. I was isolating myself. And I told her, I said, I'm so isolated now that it's fucking lonely. It's, it's, I look at myself, I'm sitting on this porch. I'm watching the sunrise every morning. I'm watching the sunset every morning. But I'm by myself. I'm alone when I have lunch. I'm alone when I have coffee. I'm alone when I have dinner. And I told her, I said, I know this isn't healthy. I recognize that. And I'm admitting it. It's not that I'm ashamed to admit that. And and I told her, I said, why am I doing this? I was like, uh, I have people that I can be around. I'm choosing not to do that. And I'm just reclusing. And she's, she said, that's straight up depression. That's what it does to you. That's uh, part of your experience with post-traumatic stress. That's what it does to you. You naturally recluse. And I was like, I got to stop this shit. And she said, yep, you need to make an effort to pick up the phone and call people. So boom, that's what I did. I made a phone call. Um, we'll talk about we'll talk about how some people will never support your mission in life, regardless of uh, who you think they are. Um, and I and I tread lightly when I talk about this because I'm not. I don't shame people. I don't try to throw people under the bus. I don't try to air fucking grievances between myself and other people publicly um but i will say this there's a lot there there are there are several people out there that i've caught wind of who do not like travis house and that's perfectly fine because there's times where fuck i don't like me either but um i know that i'm doing some good things for for people and i'm I'm trying to my best that i can trying the best that i can to help out people and uh trying to do it in a positive way well there's no matter what you do in life there's always going to be people who have something negative to say. And I don't care about that because fuck them. And I've said it in past episodes. People wanted me to discuss haters. And I was like, oh, there's just, that can just go down so many different rabbit holes. Well, anyway, long story short is I decided to pick up the phone and call, call some people. I was like, you know what? Let me make an effort to call people to let them know, Hey, I'm still here and I'd like to be a part of your life. So I made a phone call. It went unanswered. I left the voicemail and a day and a half goes by and I get a return phone call. So I was excited to see this person's number. Uh, and when they called, it was more of an obligatory, hey, just letting you know I got your voicemail. I haven't spoken to this person in a couple of years. Um, and that was it. And then I hung up the phone and I was like, that right there is why I don't call people, man. Nobody really wants to talk to you, right? Um, so I didn't let that defeat me. I'm not good at asking for help. I'm not good at asking other people for help. So I actually pick up the phone and I call another guy that I met near my farm. I met him a while back. Good dude, good country boy. And I was like, hey, man, he said he, he told me, call me if you ever need help. So I called him. I pick up the phone and I called him and I said, hey, man, what's going on? He said nothing. I said, uh, look, I'm not good at this. Uh, I need some help. He said, what you got? And I told him I needed to go pick up 30 16 foot boards, but I don't have a fucking trailer big enough to haul 16 foot lumber. He said, when do you want to go? And just like that, somebody was there to help me. Somebody was there to lend, uh, lend a hand and I couldn't have been more thankful. Uh, so we actually got in the truck the next thing we actually had to schedule it for two days after that call. We got in the truck, we drove, we drove up to the, uh, to the lumber store. We got the lumber that I needed to finish building out my fencing and we drove back. He helped me unload it. And it was great. It actually felt like I had a friend again. And it was, I've become so used to, uh, nobody wants to do anything. Or I've, be, I've become so used to 
making excuses as to why I don't need to be around people, hanging out with people, that it became normal. And I talk about post-traumatic stress and how your behavior slowly, it doesn't all happen at one time. Your behavior slowly changes over the years and you slowly turn into a person that later in life you don't even recognize. And that was never me beforehand. I was always a people person. And then I've gotten to this point where I've recluse so much. And then I'm like, ah, fuck people, blah, 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 blah. Well, once you say that so many times, it becomes real. It becomes normalized. And before you know it, you've lived your life. You've created a habit with an attitude. I I call it an attitude habit. You have an attitude about certain things. It's Now it's just habitual. So that's the way you perceive it. And that's the way it's going to be when it's really not like that at all. It's hard asking for help. It's extremely hard asking for help. I'm not, and I'm going to tell you a story. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to because fuck it. Um, I went to the VA the other day, and I had a follow up appointment. I haven't been in two years because the um, the VA. I don't give a fuck who how how you feel about it. I don't like it. I've never had a good experience with the VA. They almost paralyzed me one time. That's another story for another podcast. I've always been treated. Um, just shunned off when you go there. Uh, so they kept calling. They're like, Hey, you need your, your two year follow or your year follow up. You haven't been in two years. And I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm not going, I'm not going. And then one day they called at the right time and I was like, all right, let's make an appointment. I'll go. Well, I go, here's the big story to wear a mask or not wear a mask. Um, no, I didn't wear a fucking mask. I'm, I'm not a sheep and I live my life that way. And I have my own belief, my own set of beliefs that I live by. And I go up to the front door, everybody in there is wearing a mask and I walk in, I make my appointment. Nobody says anything to me. And if they were going to say something to me, I was already ready to dispute why I'm not putting on a mask. Cause here's what happened. As soon as I walked in the police officer, the vet of the veterans administration, police officer of the VA hospital is sitting there with no mask on. Everybody else has a mask except the, uh, the police officer. So I was like, well, if the guy enforcing the masks isn't wearing a mask, they're going to have a hard time getting me to wear a mask. So I was like, fuck it, I'm not putting it on. So I go in the elevators, I get out on the second floor, I go to my waiting area, and right there in my waiting area, apparently there's a supervisor of this section because I knew it was a supervisor because the office says supervisor. And in the supervisor's chair sat a man with no mask. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm definitely not putting a fucking mask on now, right? I wait about five minutes. The nurse comes out. First thing she says, Mr. Howes, it's a yes, ma'am. She goes, um, can you please put your mask on? I said, ma'am, you got a cop downstairs that's not wearing a mask. That's the guy that enforces masks. I said, so I'm not going to put the mask on. I said, uh, you got a guy in supervisor chair sitting there not wearing a mask. So you guys can't really ask me to put my mask on. It's kind of crazy. She goes, well, I'm going to let you know right now your doctor is going to want you to have a mask. So we walk into the room. She hands me a mask. I open the trash can and put it in the mask. Now, you can say I'm being defiant, being an asshole. Say all you want. But I'm not living my life that way. All right? (laughs) I sat there. And she goes, I got to ask you a bunch of questions. And I knew what questions were coming. When you go to the VA, they ask you these mental health questions. So she starts rambling off down the list. Have you ever felt suicidal? Do you want to talk to somebody? Have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night with bad dreams? Do you have a hard time concentrating? Do you get very, um, not nervous, but the, do you, are you, um, hyper alert and aware of your surroundings? And 
this whole checklist of stuff. And I'm just like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. She goes, have you ever wanted to kill yourself? I stopped and I said, uh, no. And I was totally fucking lying because I didn't want everything else to stop. And this, this whole thing go to a different direction. Well, after answering yes to everything, she said, okay, that's that. And doctor came in, I had my appointment, we talked and I left. That afternoon, I run. I ran into somebody. The conversation about the VA came up, and guess who it was? It was somebody that sits on the peer support board with with a veterans uh, with a VA hospital. I'm not going to say what hospital. All right. And here's how that conversation went. They know what I do for a living. I've heard your name. Um, somebody has mentioned your book before. I've never read it. Now this was a total accident meeting that we had. I, we totally just just happened to bump into one another. I don't know what decided to make this person tell me this, but they started saying, you know, we, we get so many people. They're so, um, they need, they need so much help and we don't do anything for them. They're just a check in the box. And this person told me this now and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that's exactly what it is. This mental health with the VA is nothing but a check in the box. And she goes, sometimes I think we make it worse because, we don't know how to help them. She goes, we got a bunch of doctors that think they know, but they don't. And I stopped the conversation. I said, that's exactly right. I go, you have the wrong people talking to these folks. I said, the wrong people are talking over their heads and the wrong people think they understand this stuff, but they don't live it. They don't experience it every day. They don't know what it's like to wake up and have a, uh, to picture their family dying right in front of them 10 times a day and they're, and they're helpless and there's nothing they can do about it. They don't know when they're having a conversation in a room full of people, what it's like sitting there picturing people's faces burnt off and picturing their hands burnt off and picturing their bodies mutilated and everybody's laughing and having a good time, but you're just standing there in the corner with this fucking weird look on your face like, can I just get the fuck out of here, please? How do you, how do you relate? You don't. So they put these people in these positions, and this is what she told me. This is no bullshit words out of her mouth. She said, I've seen the internal messages after patients have left, and it's disgusting what, what's said about them. It is it's disgusting. And I was kind of appalled. I was just like, you know, that sucks that people aren't taking it seriously. And what it is, is you got somebody that has the right educational background filling out the application, who comes to a fucking job interview, says all the right things, does all the right things. Maybe they come there, their heart's in the right place, but after a certain amount of time passes, they get jaded just like everybody else in their job, and then they don't take this shit seriously. And I wonder how many people have actually went to the fucking VA for help, couldn't get it, and ended up killing themselves. Nobody will ever know. I do know this. I do know when you feel like nobody understands you and you want help, I know I know the courage it takes to go get help. I know the courage that it takes to sit down in front of a complete stranger and to open up and express every dirty, dark, deep secret that you have and thought and for them to look at you like you're fucking crazy. I know what that feels like. And it, it sucks. And when somebody, one, can't help you, that's a miserable feeling. But two, to go behind your back 
and to make fun of it with their peers like it's a fucking game, like it's some goddamn joke. That's the problem. I don't know how to fix that. I do know I've had other firefighter friends that have went to uh, counselors before and they've given their counselors post-traumatic stress when they talk to them. They've had counselors break down and cry. Do you know how 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 horrible that must feel for that poor fireman sitting there, that cop sitting there, that paramedic, EMT, whoever the fuck you are sitting there thinking, hey, I'm going to go in here and hopefully this person can help me. And then they can't. And they end up getting fucked up out of the session. How do you ever expect to get better? I get the question all the time, Travis, how do we find counselors that we can relate to? And my answer is always the same. Good fucking luck with that. Unless there's a counselor who's a fireman, who's a cop, who's a military person, who has actually been boots on the ground and has experienced this ugly, nasty shit, you're never going to be able to relate to them. How do you relate to somebody who went to college for four years? They studied the brain. They studied uh, mannerisms. They studied the human body, how it works. And then you come out and tell them some of this. How do you, how, how are they going? How are you going to relate? I think the good counselors find a way. I think there's a lot of them out there that are in the way. I really do. And I think there's a lot of them that are in the way of helping a lot of people and they're in it for the right reasons, but they don't belong there. The problem with that is we got a lot of firefighters and cops like that too. We got people in the military like that. We got a lot of people that are in it for the right reason, but they don't need to fucking be there. And that's just the ugly truth. And most people can't handle the truth. Like I said earlier, I think what happens is I got lucky. Now I don't, my counselor is never exposed to all this stuff. And if she was, she hasn't said anything to me about it. But she's fucking phenomenal. She doesn't judge. When I talk, she listens. She doesn't try to cut me off with a bunch of solutions. Sometimes we don't have a solution. And I think a lot of times, some counselors are so quick to want to offer solutions to shit that they don't even understand versus just taking it all in, listening to what you got to say. Hell, half the time people go into a, a session, they just need to vent. They just need to talk to somebody who can sit there and be non-biased. That's all they need. And I remember I had one, I, I, man, I had one therapist. I couldn't fucking stand going in there because it's just every time I would open my mouth, she'd speak or every time she had a fucking solution and I'm sitting there like, no, you don't get it. And thank God I was able to find the one that I found. So I'd say if you're having trouble finding a counselor that you relate to, don't spend another minute with them. Find another shop around. There's usually more than one under the umbrella that your uh, your company may or your your department may pay for. You owe it to yourself to be sitting across from the best qualified person, right? Would you want to go into surgery one day and lay in there right beforehand? You know that your your doctor did great on his uh, on his written tests but he failed his fucking practicals, just barely, barely squeaked by on his practicals, had to have a helping hand every single time just so he could get, get passed on his practicals. You know, when it came down to surgery, would you want that? Fuck no. So it, the same applies to a therapist. Find, find the good ones, find the ones that 
that are gonna you're going to mesh with and relate with. Let me ask you a question, like a serious question right now. When you're hearing this, come through your speakers, wherever you are, whatever time of day you listen to this, I want you to I want you to just answer this question, yes or no, when I'm about to ask it. Do you want to die? What was your answer? I bet majority of people just answered no. I'd be willing to bet that because most likely, most likely you're having a good day and I can't speak for everybody, but most likely. And see, that's the thing. When we're having these fucked up days, when we are get so depressed, we get so lonely, when the anxiety gets so overwhelming and the effects from post-traumatic stress get so heavy. The answer to that question is different. The answer is yes, but it's not that you want to die. The reality is you just want it to stop. You just want that weight off of your shoulders. And that's what gets me back to what we discussed earlier in the beginning of this podcast. You got to keep carrying it. You got to keep putting one foot in front of the other because there's going to be another day where that question comes across and guess what your answer is going to be? Your answer is going to be no. Nobody wants to. And you got to think about that when, when it comes time, when, when I just, I just caught wind the other day, um, guy messaged me, one of my followers, guy that I, I adore actually, he, he messaged me and told me one of their police officers just committed suicide and I didn't immediately, I mean, I mean, I did immediately feel sorry, but my mind immediately went somewhere else and went, what the fuck makes him do this? Like I've been there. I've, 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 I've been in that moment, but I've also taken that moment back and I didn't go through with it. And everything in our body, if I put you in a deadly force situation today, Without you knowing it, without you having time to think about it, if I put you in a deadly force situation today, I don't care who you are, your natural instinct is going to be to fight back. Your natural instinct is going to be to live. You're going to do everything. The human body is, you can't override it. It, Your natural instinct is to fucking fight that threat or run from it, whatever, so you can live. So imagine what a human being has to go through in their life to get to a point where that instinct is overridden and you bypass that instinct to take your own life. That person has to be experiencing a lot of guilt, a lot of pain, a lot of emotion, and a lot of weight on top of them. Something that they don't see ever getting better. Because I think I think some of this is impulse decisions. And I think a lot of it is if you just stop. And I know it is because I'm speaking from experience. If you just stop long enough to look at the positives in your life and not the negatives. You'll be able to, to understand that, hey, the sun is still up. There's still time on the clock. And you're still in the game. You just got to keep pressing. 
I'm sitting here looking at multiple contracts on my desk that um that I'm te- I'm teaching courses all month in October. Got some in November coming up. And uh we just got these return contracts back and I'm sitting here looking at them and I'm thinking about something that was said to me by somebody that was involved in the decision-making process to get me to their department to train their people in my course, Post-Traumatic Purpose. And this is what was said to me. Travis, and I'll say it, these are the words out of their mouth. Travis, some of these guys don't even think this is real. They don't think post-traumatic stress is real. And right there, that fucking made my blood boil. And I said, you know what? And those are the people that are, one, going to hurt themselves. Those are, two, the the people that are going to end up getting somebody else hurt because they don't believe it, because they're so fucking narrow-minded. And I said, if anybody needs this class more, it's them. It's that person. It's those people that have the mentality that think they're too strong to ever have to worry about post-traumatic stress. They're too strong to admit it. They clearly have an, an ego problem. And that's exactly who I was on the job. And I talk about that when I teach my course, I was every bit of a bully. If, if I knew somebody couldn't handle something, I was the first one that would be in their face, making them feel bad, making them feel guilty for even being on the job in the first place. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's the truth. And I've, I've spoke very openly about that. I talk about it in my book, create your own light. I think it's the most cowardly act I've ever done as a man is make fun of other people that could not handle certain things. Who am I and who are we to sit there and judge other people who cannot handle the level of trauma that we are exposed to? Well, apparently I'm nobody because apparently I couldn't handle it either. But every alpha male instinct that I had went against that. And I put on this bullshit fake armor and this big pretend attitude and this big tough guy ego that I thought I was, but I was far from. And I wore it like a badge of honor. We're looking back. I would do it completely different. I'd be a father figure. I'd be a big brother figure to those working alongside of me that had trouble with things. And I'd sit down and I'd pull them out into the courtyard at the firehouse or wherever you know, to the back steps. I'm like, look, man, let's talk about this. Tell me what you're experiencing. Tell me how you're feeling. Are you sleeping okay? Are you having bad thoughts? Is your drinking, uh, has your drinking increased because of this job, because of the things you've experienced? How's things at home, brother? How's, um, how's your family life? Are you shutting people out? Are you letting people in? Why'd you stop coming to events? And wh- wh- why don't we ever see you other than on the job. I'd be that guy. Um, versus the guy that's like, yeah, man, let's go, let's go have a couple beers. We'll talk about this over a couple beers. It's the worst fucking decision you can absolutely make. Um, we still have those, we still have that mentality in the fire service. And I don't think you'll, I don't think it'll ever go away because I think it's just a, it's an ego thing. I think if, if you, if you think, that post-traumatic stress is not real, you're the problem. I mean, that's I kept more people from getting help because of my attitude towards post-traumatic stress in the beginning 
because I was I wasn't educated. I was ignorant. I was stupid. I mean, I I just I was too bullheaded to even admit that it could be a problem. And the first thing I, I, I leaned on was that person's a pussy and, and they can't handle this job. And that's all I had. That's all. That's literally all I had. Um, so hopefully as time goes by, as we, as we educate more departments, more personnel, they'll understand, Hey, this thing is real. And I can run down a fucking checklist of things right now that I do when I'm in my course and every sign and every symptom will be displayed in 90% of your personnel. And there's people on your job right now who are experiencing certain levels of it. Is it all, um, are all the levels the same? No, there's, there's moderate amounts. There's severe amounts to post-traumatic stress. I mean, there's, there's different, um, levels of it. Uh, last, last time I was told I was at the extreme there's only one level, like the highest level that it can get. And that's where I was. And I didn't know this beforehand. I didn't know any of this. And when I sat down and I was actually quasi educated on it, I was told, Hey, look, here's a fucking chart. Here's the top of it. That's where you are. And I was a guy who didn't think it existed. And I'm like, wait, what? And now looking back, it makes a lot of sense. People don't naturally come into professions where they see death on a regular basis and not fucking change. I don't care who you, there's no way you can come onto this job and not be somebody else 10 years later. There's no fuck. There is absolutely no way. I think the only way that that happens is you come onto this job and you don't get exposed and you don't get the experience that a lot of people unfortunately do get. We pride ourselves in this job and Man, I want the experience. I want to go on all the shit calls. I want to do this and I want to do that. I heard a story one time. I don't want to drop names. But I was like, good on that paramedic. There was a an EMS crew that went to a, a suicide call where a guy blew his fucking head off with a shotgun, stuck it in his mouth and blew his fucking brains all over the wall. And the paramedic stopped the EMT who was a brand new EMT. And you know how we are in this business. We're all nosy. We all want to see everything. The paramedic stops and looks at her and goes, do not come in here. You do your future self a favor. And he made her stay outside of that room. Um, I don't, some can say that's bad because you're shielding this person from the uh, natural uh, way that this job is and the natural things that we see. But this person, this person, um, maybe they never were exposed to another call like that. Cause I know that this person did leave and they went into the medical field. Okay. So maybe they never went to a call where they, they saw brains on the wall and maybe that was a good thing. I unfortunately have been to several fucking more than several calls like that where when I talk about even this person's scenario, it makes me start thinking of, those. And that's the shitty thing is you, you can't unsee this stuff. And when I hit stop recording today, guess what I'm going to be thinking about, but I have the ability to hopefully start thinking about better things and could turn it all around at the end, into this, uh, into this episode. But I don't know if that even made any fucking sense. Y'all know I like surrounding myself around strong men. I think it's important. I think that uh, 
I've said this before about society watering men down and all that. You got shows, you got these these um, these new TV shows, and men are getting scolded by their wives and just jumping when they say how high and all that shit. And I just it makes me shake my head because I'm like, first of all, who the fuck are you talking to like that? Um, you might as well go find. <laughs> Let me just stop. Um, her saying, I love sayings, man. I don't really, I don't really bite on them too often, but man, this one made me think there's a, a saying it's called hard times, create strong men, strong men, create good times, good times, create weak men and weak men create hard times, which is where we are right now. I think we're headed for hard times, uh, without turning into conspiracy theory, Travis, I just think that times are changing so rapidly and I think men are being weakened so, so quickly that we're going to be in for fucking hard times and, and they're going to be probably to the likes that we've never seen in, in this country. I'm afraid of, um, I don't really like get roped into talking about this stuff too, too much, but that's just kind of where I, I thought that saying rang true, man, because when you get so comfortable uh, that's when we get weak, and uh, we definitely have a nation of weak-ass men right now. I'm not saying we, we don't have some strong ones out there, but it's it's very, very sad to see what's happening, and uh, good luck good luck when it's time to stand up, and you got a bunch of dishpan hand motherfuckers um, going to be looking around for the real men to, to step up to the plate and protect this country. Anyway... Um, Look, I was telling somebody before I get out of here, I like a strong man just like I like a strong woman. I like them both. I think I think uh, I love strong people, but I think one of the strongest women I ever seen I can't, was a woman in a hotel when I was in the Marine Corps in Georgia. All right, listen, this is what happened. I. I knew, a, I knew a guy in Marines, and uh, we were friends. And one weekend, we had a long weekend. We had a 96, which means we had four days off, 96 hours due to math. So he said, hey, man, you want to come to you want to come to Georgia with me? I said, hell yeah, Bo. I said, like, uh, so I got family in Georgia. So we hop in his truck, and we drive to this country-ass town in Georgia. And he introduces me to his girlfriend. And we get a hotel that night because obviously we're not staying at anybody's parents' house. We're United States Marines and we get drunk, we party, and we fight, and we do all kinds of other words that start with F. <sighs> Listen, <laughs> I don't even know how to say this. So we're in this hotel room, right? And he and her, his girlfriend had a little friend and she was there. Well, there was only two beds in the room, so... Me and this girl are on one bed, just being Christians, you know, sitting there watching the television set and, um, you know, saying a prayer and, you know, do, doing Christian things, maybe playing a little Jenga or something. But now he is actually in the other bed making um, love to his country ass gal that he hadn't seen in a while. And this is what I'm talking about with a strong woman. You cannot make this shit up. And y'all think I'm telling you, I got stories that'll blow y'all's fucking mind. This <laughs> my head spun when I saw this. He uh he reaches over and grabs his dip bottle. Right? If you know what dip is, that's when you put 
um, snuff, chew in the back or whatever in your bottom lip. And then instead of swallowing the spit, you got to eat because it's, it's nasty. You spit it into a bottle, right? Well, he grabs his bottle and spits into it, puts it back on the table. All right. Now he, they're in what we call the puppy dog position. All right. Well, he's behind her kind of thing. And I'm trying not to watch, but shit, they're three feet from me. And, and I, I, my damn Jenga sticks are starting to fall down. And y'all believe this, but <laughs> I shit you not. She reaches over after he fucking put the spit bottle down, grabs a spit bottle. I watch her turn her face, put her lips over the bottle, and she spit chewing tobacco into it. I said, good Lord, what in the fuck have I gotten into out here in Georgia? Hope y'all have a great week. Um, hope y'all don't think about that too long. Thank you for sitting through this with me. Um, yeah, y'all have a good one. Thank y'all. Bye.